All right, we're going to have some fun today. Of course, we're in the middle of Proverbs, and today we get to talk about, for me, what was probably my favorite debate discussion from about age 14 to about age 25, and the only reason it stopped then was I figured out I wasn't going to completely solve the puzzle. Um, but here we are. We'll, maybe we'll solve it this morning. Who knows? Um, so the book of Proverbs, if you haven't been following along with us, is a collected sayings. It's collected sayings of wisdom from the wise. It makes the case that wisdom is something we should pursue, that, it, that God has a way of living that works better than our own way. And in every category of life, we can derive wisdom if we're willing to listen to what God says. So relationships, career, money, sex, anger, you know, you name it, any topic, there's a, there's a wisdom that God can give us if we're willing to pay attention to it. So in the first chapter of Proverbs, which we started studying at the beginning of the summer, we learned uh, from this verse, let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. There's all sorts of treasure to mine in the book of Proverbs. And every time you read it, it strikes you in a different way because you're dealing with different decisions in the moment that you're reading it. So maybe you went through Proverbs last year sometime. Say, wow, that was full of rich wisdom for the decisions I had to make then. If you go through it today, it's the same dynamic, but you'll, you'll kind of hear different things. This wisdom is not just about the sayings of wise people long ago. It's very pertinent to our lives right now. So when you open up Proverbs, you might think, wow, this is speaking directly to me. Uh, or when you come to church, you might think, wow, like somehow the pastors, it's like they know what I'm going through. Hey, it's just the Bible, right? God's Word has relevant truth for all of us to learn. And uh, today we're going to circle back to a verse that we mentioned last week. Now, last week we talked about anger and how, you know, there's all sorts of warnings throughout this book of the Bible about the hot-headed. You know, stay away from the hot-headed person or you'll become like them yourself. Don't bother bailing them out. You're going to have to do it again. Uh, you know, don't live based on impulse and anger. Instead, control yourself. So we talked about that last week. Then we brought up this verse, 19, verse 3. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. Now, I grew up in a household. My parents were both jail chaplains. Um, after they became Christians, their testimony was such that God you know, radically turned them around from a whole bunch of difficulty, and they ended up helping people that were in kind of the same types of situations that they had been in, um, in our county jail in Medina, Ohio. And so at age 16, my dad got a special pass for me to be able to go in and help him pray with people or counsel with people, especially the younger ones. Like some people are 18, so there wasn't that much difference. I might as well sit and pray with them. And um, so here's the scenario that would play out over and over again. I would be praying with somebody and they would shake their head like they'd spill their guts, tell their story, shake their head, put their head down and say, I just don't know why God is doing this to me. Now, in that moment, you have to choose to stay pastoral, um, because what are you thinking? Like, here's a person who got picked up selling drugs, and now they're in jail, and their life is falling apart, and they're, they're looking up to heaven going, God, why are you doing this to me? And what do you kind of want to say to that person? God has nothing to do with you being in jail. You have something to do with it, right? 
Uh, but this proverb, of course, is still just as true today as it was long ago. Sometimes we'll make a big mess of our lives and we'll look up to God and say, Lord, why is my life a mess? Sometimes the, the decision-making chain of events that leads to a big disaster starts in childhood, right? Like, you know, you won't listen to your parents or you can become a teenager, you make bad decisions, you go to college, make more bad decisions, and pretty soon you wake up one day and say, my life is not what I want it to be. Lord, why did you give me such a messed up life? <laughs> and you just wonder, uh, well, what would God say to that person? So I thought we would explore that a little bit today. We would explore God's role in our life outcomes. Okay? Now, I'm, I'm guessing that you've at one time or another been curious about this because sometimes you feel like you have real choices in front of you, and if you make the wrong choice, something will go wrong. But other times, you feel like things are happening and they're out of your control, and you kind of do look up to heaven and you say, Lord, like, why are you letting this happen? I didn't choose for this. I don't think I did anything to deserve this. So why is this happening now? So Proverbs is a book of contrasts and consequences, natural outcomes and divine interventions. So the natural outcomes would be, you know, cause and effect in this world. If you, you know, like we talked about a few weeks ago, if you're like that character that can't get out of bed in the morning, you don't get the paycheck. That's cause and effect. Um, but natural consequences would be where Proverbs says something like, God will bring justice to the wicked. God will bring judgment. And you say, okay, that's more than natural. Like God is going to actively do something to bring justice. So somehow there's a balance between what God wills and what God does and what we choose, right? There's some tension there in trying to understand that. So which is it? And the decisions that you have in front of you, how should you think of God's role in those versus your role in those? God's responsibility versus your responsibility. So to, to start this discussion, I thought that we would go to a place in our mind's eye that none of us usually want to go. We'll go to a funeral. But just to keep it light, this is not someone we know or care that much about. We just know him as Uncle Harry, and we're going more in the, we're going more as philosophers to this funeral, all right? So there's no real tears in your eyes this particular time. But as we file past the casket and look at dear old Uncle Harry, we make some different comments about him that show a different basis for why we think he died at age 62, so one of us might walk by and say, ah, this is such a tragedy. His life was cut short. You know, people like Uncle Harry, like he probably should have lived to 80, but the choices he made, eating at Dunkin' Donuts every morning for breakfast, stopping at Taco Bell every day for lunch, eating the fire sauce at Taco Bell, <laughs> you know, his life was cut short and it's a tragedy. There were more years he should have had. Okay, so someone might say that about Uncle Harry. Okay, someone else files by, and they, they don't really think of it as a tragedy. They go, you know what, I kind of expected this. After all, everyone else in Uncle Harry's family tree seems to die in their 60s, so it's not really a surprise that he died at this time. It just kind of runs in the family. Okay, someone else walks by, and they're, they're kind of excited about Uncle Harry dying. They're, they're sad, but they're thinking of this as like, this was his time to go. 
I mean, God had numbered his days, and now God has called Uncle Harry home, and now he is celebrating in heaven. He's having a better time than we are, and we take great comfort in that. Someone else goes by the casket, kind of sad, just shaking their head at the random purposelessness of life. You just never know. You know, you just never know what, what, what the cause might be. Sometimes things just happen. So I want to ask you, before we go on, which philosophy do you think you might default to in that situation? Like, would you be the kind of person that would attend to ascribe, or you, you would tend to ascribe an early death to the fact that it wasn't actually early, this is exactly what God always wanted? Or would you be someone that would say, no, no, it really was the Taco Bell fire sauce, just one too many, you know, like, and you think choices have something to do with when a person dies. Um, or are you a little bit more fatalistic and you just kind of say, I don't, I don't know. I mean, no one can know. We're just, we're all here and every day is a roll of the dice. So I thought maybe to help think this through, because here's what's interesting. If, you, if you've been reading Proverbs, you, you already know Proverbs is not super crystal clear on this. Okay, we're going to read some that seem like they are on very different opposite ends of a spectrum. So how many of you like putting something on an XY axis to make a decision? Anybody into that? Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about, so that's not you. But a couple of you, I see your hands. Okay, we're going to do that, and you'll know what this is. So an XY axis is where you, you end up with quadrants, and you say, you know, here going up, we're going to say the more fate is involved, that's going up on the little chart, and the more choice is involved, we're going to go horizontal that way. So if you would say that you're high fate, no choice, like completely fatalistic, you would say nobody's really at fault for Uncle Harry's death, it just happened. And there's really nothing anybody could have done one way or the other to change it, things like that just happen, and it's sad. Now, if you say, no, no, I, you know, I, I kind of buy into the idea that if everybody else in his family died in their 60s, it's not really a surprise that he would die. So I think it's not exactly just like there's less fate involved, but there's not really a choice either. This is just nature's fault. What if you would say that your low fate maximum choice? Like you say, no, things aren't accidents, but I think we all have to make decisions that add up to the outcomes in our lives. Well, then you would look at poor Uncle Harry, still in the casket there, and say, buddy, this is your fault. Your life choices resulted in you being in this casket early. Now, what if you say, no, no, I think there's choice involved, but I don't think primarily it's like our choice. It's God's choice. It's out of our hands. So it's a little bit, it's fated to be, but it's a decided fate. God has decided it. We'd say, well, whether we really think of it as a positive or negative, we'd say it's ultimately God's fault that Harry died. So you look at this, and I, I don't know, does this, does this interest you or just confuse you? Um, those of you who are philosophers, you might be going, okay, I, you know, let's, let's solve this thing. So I think 
a very helpful proverb to read about this is chapter 16. So if you want to turn there, we're actually going to read the whole proverb of 16. Because in Proverbs 16, we actually see things happening in all parts of this quadrant, or all quadrants. And it, I guess if you're not confused right now, you will be in just a minute. So we're going to kick it off here with verse 1, and, and I'll change the words in the quadrants here just to help us think this through. No decision is made by anyone. That's where stuff's just faded and random. Nature makes the decision, God makes the decision, or you make the decision. Okay, so that'd be our quadrants. So you just have to think of like if you were given you know, a little dot or something, where would you put your thinking on that little chart about how things work? Well, verse 1 of chapter 16, we can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Man, what, where does verse 3 belong on our chart? Sounds like it's our decision, right? I mean, if we commit to God, success is going to happen. Verse 4, the Lord has made everything for his own purposes, even the wicked for the day of disaster. That sounds more like things are God's decision. The Lord detests the proud, they will surely be punished. Unfailing love and faithfulness make atonement for sin, but fearing the Lord, by fearing the Lord, people avoid evil. When people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. Better to have little with godliness than to be rich and dishonest. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. This is not helping that much, right? The king, remember this was a kingdom scenario that they lived in, so probably, and I think about this as a quadrant, if we were not in America right now, if we were in a kind of a more controlled culture, like a kingdom, um, there might be another category between God's decision and my decision, there might be like the decision of the people above me. But as Americans, we tend to think either I pick or God picks, but there is no, no authority on earth that's telling me what to do. Um, back in the day, the king's decision mattered a lot to people because they didn't necessarily get to pick their own adventure in life. So the king, verse 12, uh, or wait, verse uh, 10, the king speaks with divine wisdom. He must never judge unfairly. The Lord demands accurate scales and balances he sets the standards for fairness, which, by the way, as an aside, is one of my least favorite verses in the Bible, because a girl dumped me over this verse. <laughs> really, she did. So um, we were, I was on a life action traveling team where you get to live with, you know, 20 other young people, and it's kind of inevitable. You end up sort of liking some of them and thinking maybe this is the one. So for about a month, I was dating this girl on the team, and we would set aside a little bit of time to talk in between the work and things like that, and things seemed to be going okay, until one day she came to our little talk with her Bible open to Proverbs 16, verse 11, and she read it to me, and she said, I think we should break up. I said, okay. Um, okay. Looking at the verse, thinking, great, you know. And uh, she said, I just don't feel balance in my heart, and I don't think it pleases the Lord for us to be unbalanced. 
So I had a couple things going on in my mind as this was happening. One was, you know, some, a little bit of heartbreak, a little disappointment in the situation. But the other was like the, I don't know, like the Bible student in me was thinking, that verse does not mean that. Like you just, <laughs> I can't get there from, I, there's no way that that's what that means. But, you know, you can't really argue with that. So I you know, put it on the chart here. That's her decision, not any of ours. And uh, in fact, you could say it's, it's sort of the same thing as it's not, it's not you, it's me. But it's, it's not you or me, it's God. That's why we have to break up. So anyway, I don't like verse 11, but I'm actually kind of glad for verse 11 because it protected me from eventually ending up with that girl and life went a better direction. So good deal. Verse 12, a king detests wrongdoing for his rule is built on justice. The king is pleased with words from righteous lips. He loves those who speak honestly. This would be a good king, obviously. The anger of the king is a deadly threat. The wise will try to appease it. When the king smiles, there's life. His favor refreshes like a spring rain. How much better to get wisdom than gold and good judgment than silver? The path of the virtuous leads away from evil. Whoever follows that path is safe. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. So if you fall, whose fault is that? Yours would be what that verse would infer, right? Better to live humbly with the poor than share plunder with the proud. Those who listen to instruction will prosper. Those who trust the Lord will be joyful. The wise are known for their understanding and pleasant words are persuasive discretion or the ability to make wise choices and see things in truth is a life-giving fountain to those who possess it, but discipline is wasted on fools. From a wise mind comes wise speech. The words of the wise are persuasive. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. It is good for workers to have an appetite. An empty stomach drives them on. Scoundrels create trouble. Their words are like a destructive blaze. A, a troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. Violent people mislead their companions, leading them down a harmful path. With narrowed eyes, people plot evil. They smirk. They plan their mischief. Gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained by living a godly life. A little inference there that, you know, you last longer if you do things right. So good old Harry didn't do things right, apparently. Better to be patient than powerful, better to have self-control than conquer a city. And just when you think, maybe in your mind you're thinking, okay, maybe I'm getting it, maybe I understand this, try verse 33. We may throw the dice, but the Lord determines how they fall. So we're right back where we started from, right? You look at this, this grid and you say, well, that, how do I know what choices I have that matter or what choices are being made for me by God or maybe some things just happen that nobody was intending? So here's a way that we can think of this, a way that I believe results in a path forward, but also some peace in your heart about what will happen next. Okay, so we look at our grid, we focus this way, respect God's decision about your decisions. So God has made a decision that you have decisions. 
Do you agree with that? So you respect that and you say, Lord, I recognize you are ultimately in charge. Therefore, I will submit my will to your will. And Lord, you, you are the big, the big picture choice maker. To the extent that you give me choices to make, Lord, I will be faithful to follow your word as I make those choices. And thus, we live with the blessing of God as a result of obedience to his principles, but we also recognize God is in charge of the universe in a way that we don't even comprehend. So, Lord, I respect your decision to give me some decisions. And when I can obey, I will. When I have a choice to make, I'll follow your wisdom. Now, turn with me to Deuteronomy 30 for a great example of this at work. This text was written just before the people of Israel were going to enter the promised land. And they, they had received the law from God, and these were some final instructions to kind of say, okay, you've got, you've got what you need, you have the law, you have the truth, now comes your decision. What decision will you make? So verse 30, or chapter 30, verse 11, this command I'm giving you today is not too difficult for you, and it is not beyond your reach. It is not kept in heaven so distant that you must ask, who will go up to heaven and bring it down so that we can hear it and obey it, right? And some people think that way about the truth. I really need like a sage. I need somebody that can really, really open it up because it's like really far away. Well, it's not really that far away, and it's not actually that complicated, okay? Verse 13, it is not kept beyond the sea so far away that you must ask, who will cross the sea and bring it to us so that we can hear it and obey it? So it's not like you say, you know, well, somebody's going to have to go climb the mountains of Tibet and find the monastery with no roads and talk to the monk, and then we'll understand. No, it doesn't work that way. In fact, verse 14 says, no, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart so that you can obey it. There's no mystery here. It's really, really obvious. So verse 15 says, now listen, today I am giving you a choice. Who's speaking here? God giving the choice to the people of Israel. Today I am giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God, to keep his commandments, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, if you're drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now, as you will certainly be destroyed. So who would make the choice to destroy? In that situation, God would. But who made the choice to be on that road? The people did. God gave them the decision to make which way do you want to walk. You will not live a long good life in the land you were crossing the Jordan to occupy. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. And now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. There's an interesting spin on the family tree. Right? So the choice this generation would make is going to have something to do with the life that the future generations will have. You can make this choice 
by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. When God says, this is the key to your life, seems like we should listen and turn that key, right? Here it is, your choice to respect God's decisions is the key to your life. And if you love and obey God, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So just like this principle was true for the people of Israel in that moment, in that time, the concept is true for us as well. God does have decisions that he makes that we don't have any power or control over. And we can't really look up to heaven and argue with God because he's God, he's in charge. But we can look at our choices and say, Lord, when you give me a decision, I will make it to obey you with all that's in me. I'll hold firmly to you. I'll love you first and be committed to you first. And in so so doing, make sense of life. It'll be the key to life. So here's a little bit of wisdom that maybe we can walk away with. Wisdom is that in humility, which is a right view of ourselves, we focus on what we can control and yield what we can't. Thus, we honor God's word and God's power at the same time. So there are some things that you can control. Someone asks you a question, and you have a choice to tell them the truth or to lie. That choice is completely in your orbit. You can decide. And then you'll bear consequence based on whether you tell the truth or tell a lie. But there will be other things that happen that have nothing to do with specific choices you've made, choice that someone else makes, natural disaster of some kind, things that are out of your realm. And when that happens, that requires we rely on God and we say, Lord, I recognize ultimately I can trust you. I'll I'll be faithful with what I can control and I'll trust you with what I can't. So I think of it this way. It's as if the message is take responsibility, but yield or surrender control. Now, what do you want as a, as a human being, like in your flesh, in your, you know, the earthy part of you, what do you kind of wish was the case? It's sort of the opposite of that, right? I kind of wish that I wasn't responsible, but I could be in control. That would be a fun life. But that's not how life works. Our job is to take responsibility, but then still surrender to God. Say, Lord, I trust you. I'll live by your wisdom. I'll respect your decision to give me a decision, and I'll do the best I can with that decision. Uh, But in the end, I look up to heaven and say, Lord, my life is yours, not mine. So make the best choices. Trust God with outcomes. Now, whether this solves the big eternal question of you know, fate versus freedom, I don't know. But it does help me take a next step. Does it help you? To start to put life in order and say, you know, the things that I, the things that I have control over, my next decision, I'm going to decide based on what God's word says every time. That's what I'm responsible to do. Lord, I take responsibility for that. But at the same time, I yield control. I surrender my life to you. My will is subservient to your will. 
Maybe that's what Jesus meant in the Lord's Prayer when he said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not just your will generally on earth, but your will in me on earth as it is in heaven. I'm willing, Lord, to respect you as my authority and to follow you in the decisions that I life starts deep in your heart. It's really, it's a decision that you make kind of to reorient the way that you think. So some people, you know, you imagine driving a car. Some people, if they think that their life needs to stay under their control, they're gripping the wheel tighter and tighter even when things are getting crazier and crazier. And that's a recipe for a stressed out, fearful life. Some people sadly live that way. Because what they don't realize is that they weren't built to hold the wheel. God ultimately drives all of us forward. We roll the dice. God decides where the dice fall. We make our plans. God directs our steps. So we say, Lord, I'll let go of the wheel and I'll let you be in charge. But I'm taking responsibility for the decisions that you're handing to me. And I'll choose to be faithful with those. So let's pray and let's ask for God's help in doing that. Lord, um, Every day we face choices. Sometimes they feel big or feel small, but really all of them add up to different things. They all add up to the reality, the outcomes of our lives. And so, first of all, we recognize our accountability to you, Lord, and our responsibility to follow what your word says. You've given us a blueprint for life. You've offered us wisdom through which we can make decisions. You've given us commandments that we can follow. Lord, you've laid all this out in front of us and handed us a decision to make about whether we will walk your way or try to do life our own way. So we take responsibility for that. And we ask for your help, Lord, as we seek to choose what is right, what is best. We also recognize that there are many aspects of the way the universe works and even things that happen to us that we can't control, we can't rewind, we can't fix, we can't decide our way out of. In those moments, Lord, we're called upon to surrender, to yield, to look up to heaven, to have faith when it's out of our hands. Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us to discover both the peace that comes through trusting in you, but also discover the sense of purpose that comes from obeying you. Lord, we each have a different path to follow, a different race to run. The steps along that race Lord, we want to commit to you. I pray for each one of my friends, my fellow believers here in the room. But Lord, our faith in you would guide us through the difficult moments, the fearful or worrisome or tragic moments, that our commitment to you would guide us in those very personal moments of decision-making. Lord, we recognize that every choice 
adds up. Your choices and our choices add up to the outcome of our lives. So Lord, we choose to live in the light of that, to embrace your wisdom, to walk forward today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, God bless you. See you next week for more Proverbs.